more. This is Equip and Empower, the Christine Kane podcast. For everyone who desires to bring hope, create change, and live out their God-given destiny with passion and joy. Here's your host, Christine Kane. joined us. I know that the Lord's got a powerful word for you. Uh, we are in for a treat. I have got the rowdiest group of people in this studio today. They are on fire. Why? Because we are so full of faith. We've been looking at the life of Nehemiah and we're talking about the fact that we can't stop, we won't stop doing the purpose of God on the planet in our generation. Every single one of us is created on purpose, for a purpose. No one is here by accident. God has created good works for us to do from before the beginning of time and it is our job to bring God's goodness and love and mercy and grace and justice, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ to a lost and a broken world. What an awesome Awesome job profile we have. I know you just like kind of tuned in. You're still hung over and you're like, how did I stop on this Australian chick? Well, I'm here to tell you, you did not stop by accident. God made that happen. And I've just dropped in to your house today to let you know that God's got an awesome plan, purpose and destiny for your life. So we look at the life of Nehemiah, whom God had called to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. The walls were broken and the walls were in disarray and the people were dispersed and there was so much chaos and there was so much brokenness, not unlike the world in which we live in today. There are so many regions of the world that are full of such pain, such suffering, such terror, such heartache. And there's almost not a person on the planet that doesn't feel some sense of loss or grief or a sense of there's, there's got to be something more or brokenness or damage or woundedness. I want you to know that your God doesn't run from your problems. He is with you in the midst of them to bring hope and healing and restoration. And our job as the salt and light of the earth is to bring healing and redemption and mercy and justice into a lost and a broken world. Our world is full of such pain and this is not a time for us to run from it, but it's a time to run into it and to bring healing and hope into a lost and a broken world. So Nehemiah, who was a cupbearer to the king, got the favor of God. He prayed for the success of God and he decided to undertake on a rebuilding project. Now you have to understand the walls of Jerusalem had been broken and fragmented for 140 years. And so what we are about to see is that Nehemiah and the team around him rebuilt the walls of Jerusalem in 52 days under incredible attack. I want you to know that when you are empowered by the Spirit of God, God is able to do the miraculous. What was laid desolate for 140 years can be reconstructed and rebuilt within 52 days. It is impossible in the natural, but impossible is where God starts and miracles are what God does. And because the people had a mind to work, because the people were focused, because the people chose not to listen to the naysayers or the fear or the doubt or the negativity, they got focused single-mindedly on what God had called them to do 
52. And they achieved in 52 days what had not been done in 140 years. I believe that in every area of our life and our ministry, that if our people and our team and our staff around the world can be in alignment, can be all working together, get a mind to work, we can see the impossible made possible because our God puts His super on our natural and together you have a supernatural effect and you begin to see change and transformation in the world. That's what our God does. That's what He does. And so we see here, let me just say, when you decide to make your life count, when you decide to step out and live your life for the glory of God as a follower of Jesus Christ, here is the first thing that you can expect. You can expect opposition. Now, I know you're all going to sign up because of that right now. But I can tell you as a follower of Jesus Christ for 30 years, it is the truth. Nobody cares. When you do whatever you want to do, you go to the nightclub, you get stoned, you get drunk, you're just doing whatever. Nobody, everybody leaves you alone. But the minute you decide you want to make your life count, it is amazing how cray-cray people get. Yeah. I remember my family before I was a follower of Jesus, when I was just like doing, you know, what normal people do when they're not followers of Jesus, which could mean a lot of different things. But anyway, <laughs> at that point, I remember even I said, you know, my mom's like, Christina, what are you doing? I said, Mom, I got saved. I'm following Jesus. I'm living my life on purpose. And uh, it, she just was not happy about it. I said, Mom, it's better than being down at the club and getting drunk and stoned and sleeping around. And she said, at least then you would be normal. <laughs> what I'm saying to you is people don't understand a life that's lived on purpose. A life that is lived on purpose. People are like, I can handle normal dysfunction. I could handle you when you were dysfunctionally normal like us. But now that you're a follower of Jesus and you're living with mission, what do you mean you're going to church? What do you mean you're giving to the building campaign? What, what do you mean you're living your life on purpose? What do you mean you're living morally pure? You didn't know opposition until you started. And you think the very same people that were hanging out with you at the club and didn't care when you were doing nothing and going nowhere, all of a sudden they all have an opinion about your life now. They didn't care what you were doing with your money before when you were giving it to Dr. Jack Daniels. And they didn't care what you were doing with your time when you were just watching endless show, endless Netflix TV series. They didn't care. But all all of a sudden, now they care that you're going to church. Before you got saved, they didn't care what you were doing on Sunday. Why now do they care, all of a sudden, what you're doing? They didn't care what you were doing with your time, with your talent, or with your treasure. Yeah. When you were, you know, wasting your talent in the back of nowhere, no one cared. But now that you suddenly want to go and serve and use your talent for the purposes of God, they call you an idiot. It's amazing, the irrationality of people. Yeah. You're the same people that didn't care one week before when you weren't saved, what you were doing with your time, talent and treasure, all of a sudden they have an opinion about everything in your life, what you're doing with your life, what you're doing with your time, what you're doing with every aspect. We see this in Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 10. The Bible says in verse 10, But when Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite servant heard this, it displeased them greatly, listen to this, that someone had come to seek the welfare of the people of Israel. It displeased them greatly that someone had come to seek the welfare. Do not be surprised when opposition starts when you seek the welfare of a city. I remember when we started in Thessaloniki, I had a, a group of Greeks that were really protesting against us. They thought that I was just trying to 
put a bad name on the Greeks by saying there was sex trafficking in Greece. They thought that I was trying to humiliate their city and humiliate, and I've seen that all around the world. They would rather, for the sake of their pride and ego, live with this disgusting crime happening in their front doorstep rather than going, you know what? I'm so grateful that someone has come to seek the welfare of our city. It is so incredible to me how that enemy spirit rises up when you want to do good. Suddenly you go, why is this not working? Why am I getting resistance? Why is this happening with this government department? Why does it seem that I'm not breaking through? When you want to do nothing for anybody, the enemy leaves you alone. The minute you start wanting to do something for someone, then you're going to know you're in a spiritual fight. All of a sudden you're going to find not everyone thinks that's really awesome. Not everyone really thinks that that's beneficial because sometimes when you start to step on their toes, what it does is it calls out their own injustice. It calls out their own system of oppression that they've set up that serves them very, very well. So these governors, they didn't want Nehemiah to come because they were gaining greatly by having the city in disarray, by having the walls not built, by having the Israelites just at their beck and call, they didn't want the city restored. And so don't be surprised when you come in, and I've seen this happen to believers time and time again, with this heart of, I wanna change the world, and then you start, and you go, why am I getting this resistance? It's because the enemy, he is fine while you're doing nothing. But when you start to want to live your life on purpose and that attack is going to come often through people you love. It's often going to come through family or through friends or you're like going, I don't get this. You didn't care what I was doing last week. Why all of a sudden do you? It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense because, you know, it's a spiritual thing. It's not a natural thing. And people suddenly care because the enemy does not like it. You know, the fact is, it says they they didn't like that they had come to seek the good of the city. And that's because all goodness truly emanates from God. Psalm 119 verse 68 says, you are good and you do good. Teach me your statutes. Goodness is not something that's in us because otherwise it just becomes subjective. Sometimes what I think is good, you might not think is good. God is the standard of good in our world. God is the standard of love in our world. We throw that word around, love and love and love, that almost we've tried to take all its meaning out of it. Love seems to be whatever I feel like is right right now. But we have to look at what does the Bible say that love is? And God is love. Love is not God. There is a big difference. We've almost made love into God, like as if, but God is love. Love is not God. And so not everything is good, but God is good. And out of him emanates goodness. And so when they came to seek the good of the city, people didn't like it. I've seen it. I've seen it when I've come to, I, I see it in teaching. I see it when it comes to 821. I come to see it with Propel Women. People that don't want to see women empowered, people that don't want to see women fulfill their passion, purpose and potential. The same people that a week ago were just being indifferent to me, all of a sudden have an opinion about what I am doing with women. And you go, wow, wow, there's another agenda here. You don't like to see them flourish and become all that God's called them to be. So oftentimes when you seek the good of something, don't expect everybody to jump on board. And that's what we see in this text. You know, the interesting thing is good is what Jesus did. That's why the enemy doesn't like it. The Bible says in Acts 10, 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. 
That's what Jesus did. It is your job and it is my job to go about doing good. That's what we're here on earth to do. We're not here to continue to fight or to add divisiveness or to have arguments, but we are here to do good in the cities in which we are in. You also have to understand that you're going to be mocked and falsely accused. That's actually what happened here in Nehemiah 2.19. The Bible says, but when Sanballat, the Horonite and Tobiah, the servant, that's it, um, heard of this, they jeered at us and despised us and said, what is this thing that you are doing? Are you rebelling against the king? I can't tell you how many times in different places around the world, I've heard people say that to me about age. What is this thing that you're doing? You're just trying to cause disruption in our nation. You're just trying to make something out of something that's because people do not want the underbelly exposed. And so that's what happened here. The city officials began to taunt them and then begin to accuse you falsely. You're just trying to have an uprising against the king. He was never going to hear the king's permission to come and do what he was going to do. I wonder if you've ever been misrepresented or everyone, anyone has ever falsely accused you in your life. You're like, I don't even know what happened just then. Where did that come from? I just came here to do some good and all of a sudden, it seems like all hell has broken loose all around me. But that's what happens when you begin to live your life on mission and you begin to live your life on purpose. When you start to threaten the status quo, those people that are in control of the status quo are trying to take you out. So they will falsely accuse you. They will mock you. They will ridicule you. The naysayers will come out of nowhere. You're like, I didn't even know where you were. And all of a sudden you're talking about me. I've basically given up. I don't even look at what they write on the internet or on Twitter because I'm like, I don't want to know. I don't even know you and I don't want to know. And you don't know my motives anyway. God does. But I've learned that if you decide you're going to stick your head up, someone is going to want to chop it off. <laughs> Someone's going to want And normally someone that doesn't even know you. They've got some wound from their own past and they're going to try to take you out. And that's what happened here. I have one of my team members who's one of our older team members and she was part of a, even a Bible study. And when she made a decision that she wanted to come and she didn't basically want to golf her way into heaven. She wanted her life to live a life on purpose and thought, I don't want to just retire and play golf forever. I can play golf. I just don't have to do it every day, all day. I can, I, I've got a purpose. And so here she is. She came in to volunteer at 821, serve with a whole bunch of millennials. Well, you know what? A lot of her Bible study group started to get their nose out of joint a little bit because it's like, who do you think you are? Why, why are you any more better than us? And suddenly they start accusing you. You're like, I, I didn't ask you to do it. I said I was going to do this. But you, when you threaten the status quo, when people feel like, well, you know, now they feel judged and condemned, you don't even have to do something. If they understood what the difference is between the conviction of the Holy Spirit and accusing me of judging them, that would be a whole different thing. But just because I'm living my life on purpose, it shouldn't threaten you if you're living your life on purpose. But the truth is I can't allow your negative comments to pull me back from the purposes of God yeah. in my generation. And a lot of people don't step into the purpose of God because what happens is they fear the condemnation of man. They fear being ridiculed by their friends. They fear being ridiculed by their family. They fear the judgment that will come externally, but you are never going to do anything significant for God if you are not willing to be criticized, if you are not willing to be mocked, if you are not willing to be ridiculed, often by those around you or often by those in your sphere of influence. And the truth is you cannot, you cannot do anything significant for the kingdom without someone having something to say about it. So you have to have a conviction like Nehemiah did that God has me on assignment 
to rebuild these walls and I am not going to let the naysayers stop me. And that's a lot easier said than done because the enemy wants to take you out and he uses people to do that. People are not the enemy. The enemy is the enemy, but the enemy will use people to try to take you out from the purposes of God. So you've got to remember why you are fighting this fight of faith. And the Bible says in Nehemiah 4.14, and I looked and arose and said to the nobles and to the officials and to the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your brother's your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. Fight for them. Sometimes you got to get a bit of Holy Ghost fight on the inside of you. You're like, you know what? I don't care about the naysayers or the fear casters or the doubt or the negativity. I'm going to fight for my family. I'm going to fight for my destiny. Someone, you need to get up off that couch and you need to go to war in the spirit for your purpose and your destiny. Yes, you were betrayed. Yes, you were knocked down, but it's time to get up and say, not today, devil. I I'm going to fight for the plan and the purpose of God in my life. You've got to get some of your fight back. You've got to get some fight back. We have too many passive Christians just lying there. I'm like, no way, man. Get up. Get your fight back. We're rebuilding the walls. God has called us. God has anointed us. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Yes, the weapon may have been forged, but it shall not prosper. We are going to rise up and rebuild the walls of our cities. We are going to bring hope and life and redemption and salvation to this planet. God has called us here to make a difference in our generation. And it is to our Father's great glory that we bear much fruit, that we bear much fruit. That's what we must do. And so what happens is often we just want to give up, but it's not just about us. It's about the generations that are going to come after us. He goes, you fight for your sons and you fight for your daughters. And some of you keep fighting for your sons and daughters. You're not going to lose them to that addiction. You're not going to lose them to that lifestyle. You're not going to lose them to that fear and doubt and negative. You've got to fight for them. Don't stop fighting. We've got walls to rebuild. We've got lives to restore. Keep fighting the fight of faith. We're fighting for a generation. We're fighting for the souls of humanity. It is worth fighting. There is an enemy. He is defeated, but we need to go in and take what already is ours and has been attained for us through the redemptive work of Jesus Christ on the cross. You're too close to quit. You're too close to quit. As Nehemiah was building this wall, they came at him and the naysayers continued to attack him. And sometimes you feel like this. And I feel like with all of the stuff happening on the planet at the moment and all the divisiveness and all the, you know, uh, religious divisiveness and political divisiveness on the planet, the enemy is just trying to wear us out to the point where you go, look, I'm, I'm just, I'm done. It's just too much. I put my hands up and I can see people quitting and people falling by the wayside. And it's just like, it's gotten too hot in the oven for them. And they're like, look, I, I just can't take this anymore. You've got to understand that is the plan of the enemy. That's what he wants to do. He wants to make you feel that your fight is worth nothing. He wants you to think that you're not going to be able to rebuild these walls. But I want you to know that it only took him 52 days to do it because the people had a mind to work. The Bible says the people had a mind to work. They stayed focused. They stayed on point. We need to fix our eyes on Jesus. We need to silence the voice of the naysayers and we need to stay steadfast, immovable, 
unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord our labor is not in vain. We are fighting for a generation. We are fighting the good fight of faith and we are too close to quit. We are not going to pull back. And in Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 9, the Bible says, Now when Sanballat and Tobiah the Geshem and Geshem the Arab and the rest of our enemies heard that I had built the wall and that there was no breach left in it, although up to that time I had not set up the doors in the gates, Sanballat and Geshem sent to me saying, Come and let us meet together at Hakafrim in the plan of Ono. But they intended to do me harm. And I sent messages to them saying, here is the verse of this entire series. I am doing a great work and I cannot come down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and come to you? And they sent to me four times in this way, the enemy is not going to give up. And I answered them in the same manner. In the same way, Sanballat for the fifth time sent his servant to me with an open letter in his hand. In it was written, it is reported among the nations. And Geshem also says it, that you and the Jews intend to rebel. That is why you are building. Here come the false accusations again. That is why you are building the wall. And according to these reports, you wish to become their king. And you have also set up prophets to proclaim concerning you in Jerusalem. There is a king in Judah. And now the king will hear of these reports. So now come and let us take counsel together. Then I sent to him saying, no such things as you say have been done for you are inventing them out of your own mind. For they all wanted to frighten us thinking their hands will drop from the work and it will not be done. But now, O oh God, strengthen my hand. I want you to know that the distractions that come are always persistent. They're always personal and they're always potent. And in the day and the age in which we're living in and with so much access to information on the internet, with so much social media going on, the distractions are always there. And you've got to understand what, what the enemy wants to do is stop you from doing the work. God has called you to a great work. The call of God and the work of God is a worthy work. And I love Nehemiah's response. He said, why? Why should the work stop while I come down to you? I want you to know anytime you stop doing what God has called you to do, it's a step down. I don't care if it seems like a step up in the natural. It's never a step up. It's always a step down. There is no higher calling than the purpose of God. There is no higher calling than doing what God has called you to do. And it is a great work. It is a worthy work. The fight of faith is a worthy fight. And we need a generation of Christians that are not pulling back from that fight, that are not feeling weary and giving up in the good fight of faith because we feel like we're being attacked and we feel like we're being ridiculed and we feel like we're being distracted. I mean, the enemy wants us to think that we are idiots for being Christians. It's like, what do you mean? What do you think you're doing good? Why do you think you're really helping people? And he just begins to wear us down all of the time. But we have to have a spirit that says, I am doing a good work. I am not coming down from this wall. This work will not stop. I will remain steadfast in what God has called me to do. I'm not pulling back. I am not quitting. I'm going to keep turning up. I'm going to keep building this wall one brick at a time. I don't need to see the whole wall to know that God is building this wall. Line upon line, precept upon precept, day upon day, I will not. I will put spiritual blinders on. I'm not looking to the right. I'm not looking to the left. I'm not going to get distracted by naysayers. If I need to get off social media, I'm going to get off social media. If I need to turn off the 
television, I'm going to turn off the television. If I need to change some of my friendship circles because I don't want to listen to the fear and doubt and negativity because my God has said that if I do not grow weary in doing good, I shall reap in due season if I faint not. And I am not going to faint. I'm going to keep waiting upon God. I'm going to keep believing God. My Bible says that those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. I'm going to mount up on wings like eagles. I'm going to run and not grow weary. I'm going to walk and not faint. You've got to fix your eyes on Jesus. He is the author and he is the finisher of your faith. You cannot look to the left. You cannot look to the right. You cannot listen to negative voices. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. This is a time on the planet where we need to turn on the word of God. We need to fill our houses with the worship of God. We need to silence all of the voices of fear and doubt and negativity and immorality and iniquity. And we need to make God bigger than our circumstances. We need to make God bigger than our problems. We need to make God bigger than our challenges. We need to exalt the name of Jesus because in his presence, chains fall, shackles are broken. People are set free. We will not stop this work. It is a good work that God has called us to. Following the call of God is the greatest vocation on planet earth. And you can say to the devil, not today. I will not come down. I will not quit. I will finish the work that God has called me to do in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening today. We hope today's message has encouraged and helped you. By the way, we'd love to see you positioned to experience all the great things God wants to do in your life. And we've got a special gift that'll help you do that. Just go to christinecane.com forward slash podcast devotional and download your free copy of Christine's 14-day devotional, Spiritual Growth Spurts. 